my goal then for the next several weeks is to explain to you as best I can in as clear terms as I can what exactly the gospel is because it's not just any message from the Bible. What I taught you last week was good. I talked to you about how to have healthy relationships and how to connect with one another through the five love languages and those sorts of things. That's a good message. It'll change your life. It's helpful. But it's not the gospel because the gospel is a very specific set of information about what Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. The word gospel actually literally means good news. means good news. Now, if it's good news, can it be bad news? (laughs) Everybody awake. Okay, If if it's good news, can it be bad news? How does good news make you feel, usually? Should, should make you feel good, right? And there are messages that we can teach that maybe don't always encourage us or excite us, and there's a place for that, but the gospel, if somebody shares the gospel with you, what they're supposed to be doing is sharing good news. And there's a particular response that people have to good news, which is thankfulness, which is joy, which is peace, which is excitement. And if you've never felt that way, listening to anybody (laughs) teach, then I would suggest to you that maybe you haven't fully heard the gospel. What is the good news? It says there that the gospel, this good news that Jesus died for us, that he rose from the dead on the third day and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, that that good news has the power to bring salvation into our lives. So the, the word gospel means good news. The word salvation, what does it mean? The word salvation comes from the Greek word soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A. It's the noun version of the verb sozo, S-O-Z-O. And sozo and soteria, if you look them up in your blue letter Bible or in your concordance or something, I still have a giant Strong's concordance. Anybody still have one of those? Yeah. They were kind of outdated once the internet happened. But anyway, uh, if you look it up in there, you'll find that it means to save, but it also means to heal. It also means to deliver. It also means to set free. It also means to protect. If you look at Mark 5.23 really quickly, I want to show you different translations of this word sozo. Mark 5.23, this is when Jairus comes to Jesus, and Jairus' daughter is sick. And in verse 23, Jairus says to Jesus, it says, He besought him, or he begged him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. If you look that word healed up in your concordance or on blueletterbible.com, or maybe it's org, I can't remember, you'll find that it is the Greek word sozo. It's the same word. It means save. He's saying, come and save my daughter. Come and heal my daughter. If you look at Luke 8, 36 really quickly, this is when Jesus is, he goes to the land of the Gadarenes, and there's a guy possessed of a couple thousand demons which is always interesting. And um, 
if these uh, demons come out, and in verse 36 it says, They also saw it told them by what means he was possessed by the devils was healed. Now, he, wasn't, he didn't have any physical problems, but he was, he was being tormented by these demons. It's the same Greek word, sozo. He was saved from demonic oppression. The reason this matters is that when the Bible says that the good news of what Jesus did on the cross is the power of God unto salvation, it doesn't just mean that it's a get-out-of-hell-free card. Now, certainly, Jesus died to get you into heaven. How many of you are thankful for that? I'm very, very thankful for the promise of heaven and that we can spend eternity with our Father and that uh, God's, excuse me, that uh, God's made a way for us to do that. But what Jesus did for us isn't limited to some future reality. It's not just about what happens after we die. And these verses show that because what he's saying here, it's the same concept, the same word. Jesus came to save these people. And one of the ways he saved them was he healed their bodies. Another way he saved them was to deliver them from demonic oppression. You'll see later in Matthew 121, we won't go there, but he saved people from their sins. And this isn't just a future reality. Jesus is capable right now of delivering you from sin. If you have a problem with sin, Jesus is the answer. And then in Hebrews 11, verse 7, you'll find the same Greek word sozo again, but there it means to save from judgment. We won't turn to all those for the sake of time. The point that I'm trying to make to you is that save means if there's something negative in your life, Jesus is the answer. Jesus can save you. Moreover, the gospel can save you. This specific information, this specific revelation about what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection has the power to bring protection, provision, healing, blessing, forgiveness, deliverance into your life right now. In eternity, amen, but also right now. What Jesus did doesn't just affect eternity future, it affects us right now. Salvation, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now's the hour. And what many of us in the church, I didn't know for a long time, was that the benefits of salvation can start now. The biggest of which being that we get to be in relationship with our Father. Someday, we'll get to meet Him face to face. But I'm not waiting until then to talk to Him. And it's the good news of the gospel that makes it possible for me to do that. Look at Galatians 1.4. Galatians 1.4 says that Jesus gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, this present evil world. The word world there actually means age or time period. Saying Jesus came to deliver us right now. Right now. Not just 50, 60, 70 years from now. I want to show you just how different we are in a lot of ways from the, the first century church. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. This is amazing to me. The first century church understood well the benefits of serving Jesus in our present lives. In fact, they understood it so well 
that there was a group of them, these Corinthians here, that apparently didn't even believe in or care about the eternal benefits of serving Jesus. And so Paul writes to correct them, and he says in verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I want you to think about how stunning that statement is. He's, he's got this group of people, and he's saying, listen, guys, if, if all our hope is just right now and not in eternity, then we're miserable. That means that they thought that the only effect that Jesus could have on their lives was right now. For, for many people in the church, the complete opposite has become true. We... We believe if, if in that life only, I, Paul's saying if in this life only we have, no hope, we have hope, we're miserable. I'm saying if in that life only, in the future, then we are of all men most miserable. There's a balance. There's got to be a balance. And Paul was, was bringing correction to a church that didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that they were going to be raised from the dead someday. That's stunning to think about, and they were still serving Jesus. They essentially thought, well, this whole Jesus thing, it's just about right now, and I'll, I'll serve him because of that. Now, it's awesome they did that, and I'm thankful for all the Christians that are serving Jesus just because of eternity. Right? We're thankful for that. That's wonderful, but what I'm saying is that Jesus has an effect on eternity and now. And when the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, it means that Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, if you'll understand the good news of what he did, which we'll be explaining in, in really clear terms the next several weeks, if you can understand that, it can save you now and in eternity. So that's really exciting. That's good news. That's why you should care about the gospel. That's why you should want to know what it is. I was thinking about just a practical example of this. I've, I've, uh, one of the things I love to do is ask God um, for words of knowledge. And if you don't know what that is, it's just when you ask God to tell you something about somebody around you. And God likes to talk about his kids, and so he, he'll do it. And a lot of times he'll tell me things about uh, sicknesses or things that people have and so we can pray for them, so God can touch them. But the fascinating thing is, I've seen God, I've, I've uh, called out words of knowledge before, like for example, one time I called out that several people had this neck problem. And so I called that out, and when you call out a word of knowledge, what's happening is, it's, like, it's good news, it's like Jesus showing up and saying, hey, today is the day that I want to touch you. If Jesus showed up personally and said, hey, I want to heal your neck today. How many of you know that would be good news? You'd be excited about that. The good news is the power of God unto salvation. I've seen God heal people just with the word being given. Nobody, nobody prayed. Why? Because the gospel in itself has the power to save. The good news by itself. Now, thank God for praying for people. But the gospel by itself has the power to deliver you. That's 
exciting. To me, at least. That ought, <laughs> that ought to make you happy. The good news will make you happy. <clears throat> what then is the gospel? Well, it's a specific message about what Jesus did for us. Go back to Romans chapter 1. For the next several weeks, we're going to touch on just one aspect of the gospel a week. Just one. This week, we're dealing with the issue of faith righteousness. Righteousness by faith. Let's look at Romans 1, 17. This is the verse right after the one we already read. It says, In the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In the gospel, in this message, this good news about what Jesus did for us, there's an unveiling of God's righteousness. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that the gospel tells you how righteous God is. Now, that's great that God's righteous. But what he's saying here is that in this message, the gospel, there's an unveiling of God's strategy for making men right with him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if somebody's going to teach you the gospel, they've got to explain to you how to get right with God. Because there's a specific way to do it. There's God's way. It's called God's righteousness. Everybody okay there? Does that make sense? What is the gospel? It is the revelation of God's righteousness, showing people how to get right with God. Well, how do you get right with God? (laughs) And why is that good news? Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Basically, all of Romans is about righteousness, explaining how to be right and stay right with God. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. In this chapter, Paul explains God's strategy for making men right with him. Now, the thing that's fascinating is, is he uses this guy Abraham in the Old Testament as an example. And what Abraham found out was that there's a way to get right with God that doesn't involve you earning it that doesn't involve you working really hard and hoping that you've done enough that God will accept you. And Paul looked back at that. He found that in the Old Testament, Paul was a a Pharisee and he trained at at the feet of the greatest Jewish rabbi of his day. So he understood the Old Testament probably better than, than anybody. And he understood this verse of scripture. It became revelation to him. And so he wrote these verses here in Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh... Has found. What did, what did Abraham find out about getting right with God? If Abraham was justified by his works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. What that's saying is if Abraham got right with God because he was such an awesome person, because he worked so hard, because he fasted so much, because he came to church so much. I know they didn't have church. That's that's if if he got right with God based on his own works, then he could brag about it. Right? We'd all be really impressed. I mean, I'd be, wow, you're amazing. But not before God, because that's not how he got right with God. For what says the scripture, verse 3? Abraham believed God, 
and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace but of death. But to him that works not but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. What is he saying there? If you work for something, if you come to my house and I say to you, I will pay you 30 bucks to mow my lawn, and then you mow my lawn and I give you 30 bucks, is that a gift? Is that grace? No, because you earned it, because you worked for it. But if I just walk up to you and I give you 30 bucks, is that grace? Because you didn't do anything to earn it. He's saying that Abraham didn't get right with God by earning it. He didn't do enough. He didn't fast enough. He didn't pray enough. He didn't confess his sins enough. What he did was he believed what God said. And God counted that as righteousness. It's called righteousness by faith rather than righteousness by works. What is the gospel? It's the really, really incredibly good news that you can be right with God by faith, not by your performance. And that is some amazing news because that means that my right standing with God and His acceptance of me and His love for me is not based on what I do right or what I do wrong, how I'm living in the moment, whether I mess up, whether I don't mess up. It's based entirely on what Jesus did for me on the cross. Faith, righteousness. There are two kinds of righteousness mentioned in the Bible. There's, let's, let's just make this even more plain for you. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. There's faith righteousness and there's works righteousness. Paul also calls it, there's your righteousness and there's God's righteousness. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Paul says, Doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And now what does he want? He says, he wants to be found in Jesus, not having his own righteousness. Not, not living his life based on his church attendance, and his giving, and his goodness, and his ability not to sin. Not having that righteousness, which is of the law, but the, the righteousness, excuse me, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This is really, really basic Christianity. Martin Luther grabbed a hold of this hundreds of years ago. It's what caused the Reformation. He recognized that a lot of what was being taught at that time was wrong because they were teaching you could, you could get saved, you could be right with God by buying stuff. They were selling, literally selling tickets to heaven. And they, Martin Luther recognized, hey, God, God doesn't really care very much whether you paid 50 bucks to get this piece of paper that says now you've got a ticket to heaven. That doesn't make a lot of sense. 
What makes sense is Jesus coming down to earth and dying for your sins and opening up this new way to access God, which is called putting faith in him, not putting faith in you. Now, a good question to ask is, why does this matter? But before I answer that, I want to just make one, one other point. Go to, back to Romans chapter 5. Because many of us, I think, have, have been taught this. You, you get saved by grace through faith. That's what Ephesians 2.8 says. But what unfortunately tends to happen, and what happened to the Galatians and many people that, that uh, were alive in the first century, is that after you get saved, people begin to say to you, well, it's great that you got saved by grace through faith, but if you want to stay right with God, you've got to do A, B, and C, and you've got to go to church, and you've got you to do all this stuff right. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you get saved by grace through faith, and you stay that way, by grace through faith. You get right with God by grace, and you stay that way, by grace. It's a gift. And a gift, you can't add anything to because somebody already bought it for you. You can't change it. It's been done. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, this is talking about the past, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in the past, I got right with God by faith. That's what he says. But now notice what he says in verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. That's talking about the present. In the past, I was saved by faith. And in the present, I stay right with God by faith. And I have access to grace by faith right now. You don't stop needing grace after, after you've been a Christian for 30 years. There's one way to access God that works, that's effective, and it's by putting faith in Jesus. The reason this is so important, if you'll look at a couple things here, James 5, how many of you would like your prayers to be effective? I don't know about you, I want my prayers to do something. I don't want to just pray just to feel good that I prayed, I want it to change something. How do you get your prayers to work? James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. That's a principle for another day, but a really good one. And pray for another that you may be healed. Look at the last half of the verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When a righteous person prays, it's effective. Who's a righteous person? Somebody that pays their tithes, right? No, that's works righteousness. Who's a righteous person? Somebody who puts their faith in Jesus. That's what he's saying. If you want to be right with God, there's one way to do it. So here's the good news. If you want your prayers to be answered, don't go to God and say, God... Please answer my prayer. I, I gave $1,000 and I read my Bible for two hours and I fasted for two days. Will you please answer my prayer now? That's approaching God on the basis of, of what I've done right and wrong. Now, I believe in fasting and reading the Bible and praying. I do all those things. 
because they help me, but that's not the, the basis on which I approach God. Does that make sense? Let's read another benefit of being righteous by faith. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I knew this verse for years, when I was, I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I knew this verse because my pastor told me, in the New Testament, you're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace. And I knew the contrast because in the Old Testament, if you went into the, the Holy of Holies and you didn't go in there the right way, you didn't go in humbly, you didn't go in there trembling, you could die, literally. Josephus said they would tie a, a, a rope around the high priest so that if he went in there and he died, they could drag him out because... They, if you, they didn't want to go in there. <laughs> now, the amazing thing is David, David went in there <laughs> all the time because uh, grace works in any covenant. But anyway, I understood the difference. And in the new covenant, you're supposed to go in there boldly. But I had no concept of what gave me any boldness. I thought, well, I'm supposed to be bold. <laughs> but all I could think about when I approached God was how much sin I had in my life. And if that's all you're thinking about, what you're doing is you're trying to approach God, you're trying to have a relationship with your Father based on your own personal righteousness, based on your goodness, your works. And that doesn't work. It's not effective. What's the good news? The good news is you can have a relationship with God. You can talk to Him anytime you want on your best day, on your worst day. He's always the same. He's always consistent. His arms are always open. He's always loving, always kind, always patient. And it's because it has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has absolutely everything to do with what Jesus did for you on the cross. He made a way for you to enter the Holy of Holies. And it's through faith, not through your works. You can't earn it. You can't add anything to it. You can't take away from it. You're actually, the Bible says, you're already in heaven. It already says that, Ephesians 1. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You're already there. <laughs> you, you didn't put you there. Jesus did. Last scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This is my favorite one. The good news will save you. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death ruled by one. This is talking about the fact that Adam in the Garden of Eden, offended. He sinned. He messed up. And because of that, death has ruled on the earth. Sickness, poverty, fear, racial injustice, pain, demonic oppression, all of these things entered the earth because of Adam's 
transgression. Sin entered the earth because of what he did. Death in all of its forms entered because of what Adam did. If that happened, Paul says, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Reign when? In eternity? In life. Right now, reign in life. What is he saying? He's saying if what Adam did on the cross brought sickness and fear and poverty and sin and and bondage and racism and classism and sexism and all these isms and and all these problems that we face on a daily basis. If Adam's transgression brought all that death, how much more? How much more? It's not, he's saying, it's not the same. It's not equal like measure. It's how much more will the gospel roll back the darkness, push back fear, Break down barriers between peoples. How much more will it deliver you from fear? Will it heal broken relationships? Will it heal bodies? How much more will this good news that God has forever made himself right with humanity, if they'll just put faith in Jesus, how much will that bring salvation in all of its forms to us right now in eternity yes but right now and in the next moment and in the next now this isn't a magic wand it's not like I just wave this around and now all of your problems suddenly disappear how many of you have accepted Jesus and you still have problems the reality is we're at war There is a devil. There is darkness. There is evil on the earth. There are problems. And there are things I don't understand. And there's things that happen that we don't don't always comprehend. But we have confidence and security and peace in this. That God is good. That he's for us. And that he only wants good for our lives. And I'm telling you, over time, over time, since... Since Jesus died and rose from the dead, the kingdom has been expanded. There are more Christians alive right now on the face of the earth than there has been since since Jesus died. There's there's more. That's That's a statistical fact. It's also a statistical fact that there are more people right now being supernaturally healed by God than at any time in history. There's a lot of reasons for that. One is just there's more Christians But it just proves my point that in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, he wins. He doesn't know how to lose. And even if we have setbacks in this life, he's made us promises that in the next one, we'll get everything back. But we don't want to set our eyes just on eternity because today is the day of salvation. Now's the hour. Now's your time. Don't wait. 
Believe God for salvation, for breakthrough today. Let's all stand up. My prayer team could come down to the front. If you need prayer for something, I've got good news for you. God's answering prayers. And he's answering them not on the basis of what you've done right and wrong, but on the basis of what Jesus did right. And that he died for you and rose from the grave. So if you need prayer 